Ciao a tutti, il mio nome è Chiara, sono una beautiful creepster e sono anche una grandissima fan italiana di questo podcast. Sono qui con la mia gatta Satana ciambellata sulle mie gambe, pronta ad ascoltare un nuovo episodio di Sinister Sightings con Carrie e Donna. Buon ascolto e come dicono loro, creep it real and don't get scared. Donna and I'm Carrie and we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 111. 111. That's got to be lucky. It better be because look, the universe, there's like this fucking huge moon that's coming. Lunar eclipse, blood moon, super moon. Yeah, all the things. It's all happening. Lots of pull. Lots of things happening to people's brains. It's just like all the things are going on right now. It'll be before this though. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I'll get the point. It's tonight. Surprise! <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> well, if you want to know the 111. <laughs> I see what you did there. That has nothing to do with anything. But you want to be like Chiara. Ooh, look at you. Did I say it? Did I do it right? I think so. Okay. I mean, I did take one semester and. Italian. Ooh. I mean, you know all the things that she said because just like totally. that uh, last listener that did the intro could totally be saying all the bad things about us and we'd have no fucking idea. We're like, oh my God, that intro was amazing. Oh yeah, the, uh, the one from Denmark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it sounded amazing. I mean, I, I understood know. Sinister Sightings with Donna and Carrie. <laughs> Creep it real. Don't get scared. <laughs> and Chiara. Yes. Well, hey, if y'all want to introduce an episode just like that, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Yeah, that's mind-blowing that we have people who speak different languages. I mean, people speak different languages here. I'm just... Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I just don't like to go to class. Yeah, says the girl who minored in Latin. I mean, it's a dead language, I know, but still. Yeah, but also... I didn't like to go to class. Look, if you just like looked at your own paper, you'd be like, I know. Damn, that girl. That girl is so History major smart. with a minor in Latin. And I, classical history. I bet that she can tell you all about all the old books. Uh-huh. All the old things. <laughs> and I'm like. What does she do now? I bet she's a college professor. I bet she's like got her <laughs> like PhD now and she's a college professor. And then it goes to me giving Marley her daily affirmation. <laughs> You is kind, you is smart, you is important. And then all the ones that you hate. You are clever. She is. You are agile. Okay, she is not. You are, what's some other stuff you say? I don't know, clever was the one that was like, you tell your dog that she's clever? She is clever. But I say all, anything good, she looks at me and she knows. She knows it's from the heart, and I'm saying sweet things to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's go on with these sweet stories. Okay. <laughs> and then the first is going to be like blood, gore, everything. Or a gas station robbery. Mm. Okay. Hi, ladies. Love the podcast. I have paranormal stories to send you, but I thought I'd start off with a true crime. You can call me Charlotte. Some backstory. 
In 2009, I eloped with my ex-husband, who I met while we were both working at Wendy's. With him came some pretty shitty in-laws. We were young. I was 22, he was 19, and it became apparent very quickly that his family, which consisted of his parents, two sisters, and two brothers, would always come before me. In fact, he would tell me, this is my family, their blood, you are just my wife. One sister was 16 and had a baby with an older guy named Eric. I actually liked Eric because he and I were both the outcasts of the family. My in-laws considered Eric a troublemaker, and he was only tolerated because he was their grandson's father. My in-laws weren't too fond of me because they thought I'd stolen their baby boy, aka my husband, from them, and I already had a daughter when we met. So, at family gatherings, Eric and I would often hang out because we knew the rest of the family didn't care for us. Fast forward to 2010. By this time, my husband had left me with our newborn to raise so he could be young and party again. I was living in a house his parents had helped us buy. I was still praying he'd come back to me. Side note, I was an idiot. And I hung out and stayed close to the sister-in-law and Eric. We'd hang out at my house all the time since they still lived with my in-laws. And since my husband and I were separated, sometimes I would ask Eric to help me out with things such as repairing a flat tire, etc. At one point, they were even looking to buy a house down the street from me. That's how close we all were. My house was on the outskirts of town, on a road directly joining the highway. Across that highway, there was a gas station, probably about half a mile, no more, from my house. On the other end, adjoining my road, was a winding road that led back into town with a few empty fields here and there along the way. In April of 2020, a horrific crime was committed at that gas station that was only half a mile from my house. After closing, the gas station was presumably robbed, and the owner, Muhammad Hashimi, never came home. A bit about the owner. I knew him and his whole family. They were regular customers at the Wendy's my husband and I worked at. There were four or five daughters along with Muhammad and his wife, and each daughter was spoiled to the nth degree, and the children ordered separately and would pull out coin purses full of dollar bills. It was clear that those girls had Muhammad wrapped around his finger. He adored them. The day after the robbery, the town was abuzz. Where was Mr. Hashimi? I spent the day thinking of how worried his daughters and wife must be. And of course, as a single mom of two little girls, I was worried that such a crime had been committed right by my house. His burning van was found along the highway, but he was nowhere to be found. That evening, my sister-in-law called me, crying so hard she could barely speak, and told me Eric was accused of being an accomplice in the robbery of Mr. Hashimi. Apparently, there was security footage showing Eric's friend, who worked for Mr. Hashimi, acting super odd during his closing shift. Beyond that, I don't remember what else tied the friend to suspicion of Eric, but when the police showed up to question him the following morning, Eric's jeans were covered in mud and he was taken in immediately. I told my sister-in-law there was no way he could have done such a thing, and the next few days were so awful just waiting for a break in the case. Then it happened. The body of Mr. Hashimi was found. Do you know where it was found? Less than half a mile from my house on the opposite side of the gas station 
on that winding road. Those piece of shits had dumped the body in one of those wooded fields I passed every single day. I had driven by the body who knows how many times in those days. It came out that the friend who worked at the gas station kidnapped Mr. Hashimi and Eric and two other friends were waiting in my sister-in-law's car and drove him to that wooded field and shot him in the chest. I have trauma coming up even writing this. Hoping that man passed away very, very quickly. Wishing I had been awake that night to have heard the gunshot and call for help. I was so disgusted for the longest time, thinking that Eric perhaps only thought to execute Mr. Hashimi in that particular spot because he passed it so many times going to my house. The tragedy from this crime not only affected the Hashimi family, my sister-in-law was left to raise her son on her own, and she faced the backlash and stigma from so many people in our town, even though she had nothing to do with the murder. She was only 16, and one of Mr. Hashimi's daughters was her classmate. That classmate confronted her and screamed at her that her baby daddy had killed her father and had to be dragged away to calm down. And the rest of my sister-in-law's high school days were full of notoriety. Her car had been used for the getaway car, and that car was impounded for three years. She had just bought it. And for those three years, she had to pay on a car she didn't even have, while still having to buy another car, all of that at such a young age, which put her into financial hardship. That does not compare to losing your father or husband, but I know a lot of times we don't consider the hell the innocent family of the accused and or convicted endures. It's been a decade, and I'd like to leave you with some conclusions to this horrific event. Of course, the foreman involved in the murder rot in jail deservedly. The amount they stole that night, they committed the murder, just $2,000. My ex-sister-in-law is a successful Aryan, has her own house, and her current husband adopted and raises her son as his own. We're still Facebook friends, but don't really speak. I sold the house in the story six years ago and live a happy suburb life with my husband and three daughters. No one in my current life knows any of this other than my family. My ex-husband is less of a piece of shit these days and is a decent dad, and we're on speaking terms. I recently reunited with the whole family for the funeral of my ex-father-in-law, and it reminded me that there are some chapters in your life that, once are gone, are not worth revisiting. Thank you, and sorry this is so long. Wow, I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand with what you said on this past week's episode, question mark? Where you talk about it's a domino effect with the families, with even just friends of the family who, like, might have been over or close or, you know, like, whatever. You don't think about it all the time, and they suffer, too. It's so heartbreaking, too, because, you know, you feel like you know someone and you've invested all this time with somebody. And then, again, you've invited them in your home. And then to find out that they literally murdered someone that you were so fond of and that you had a connection to. So it's just like you had these connections in all these different ways. It just You feel so betrayed. Yeah. And it's like, even though you're not obviously the one that was directly affected, it's like you are through all of these different angles, you know. Hell, just think about how we feel when a celebrity dies. Uh-huh. Like, Robin Williams... Robin Williams still gets to me, 
And it's just memories you have that don't include the actual person, but it's movies or whatever, you know, how he's made you feel. And so your memories do include that person. You do remember him being at the gas station and, you know, whatever, or coming to coming to Wendy. And again, you have those memories of his kids. And so you yeah. associate that. And then you think about your kids and, you know, yeah, makes total sense. I totally get that. All right. The next one. Sinister Sightings, Nurse and Home Edition. For privacy purposes, we will say my name is Blake. Hey ladies, I'm a home health nurse, so I'm constantly on the go. I listen to your podcast five days a week and it makes my not-so-easy job easier to handle. I'll go ahead and jump right into the Sinister Sighting to avoid my ADD ruining my life. (laughs) I feel that in my bones. (laughs) I just feel arthritis. Before working home health, I spent my first three years of nursing at a nursing home. I would take care of around 32 patients, just me, per shift. I worked with an array of patients, but something I have a soft spot for is dementia and Alzheimer's. There was an Alzheimer's patient that shared a room with a completely oriented patient. We'll call the Alzheimer's patient Judith and her roommate Gertrude. My God, I love Gertrude. Judith was very sweet, but from time to time, she would flip the switch and become creepily combative and hateful. One night, yes, I worked the night shift, I walked into her room to attempt to give her her medications. She smiled ear to ear and happily exclaimed, You're here! We've been waiting on you! Confused at her very different tone of voice and happiness, I turned to Gertrude, who had pulled the curtain between them closed as soon as she said that to me. Who's we, I asked, when suddenly the curtain separating the roommates flung open and Gertrude was shaking her head no, like my question wasn't one to ask. However, it was too late. The question had already flew from my brain and into the open. Judith says very happily, Well, me and the little girl, of course. I look around the room. Gertrude has already shut the curtain again, leaving me to save myself. And obviously, there's no little girl in sight. Judith, what little girl? I asked, semi-calm. Why, the one in the corner. She's standing there with her head cut off. Um, ma'am, what? Mm Mm-hmm. Her voice went from super happy to kind of sadistic after that statement. I shifted back a little and looked over to Gertrude, who had truly left me for dead by putting her headphones on and turning up her Netflix as loud as possible. (laughs) I am Gertrude. (laughs) No, you're not. No, I'm not because I'm way too nosy. (laughs) I would have had it. Like, I would have had the curtain closed, but actually had it, like, had a little drawstring because, you know, I'm too I'm too lazy. I would have my cane, actually, and just, like, had the, like... The hook whoop. to open it. Yeah. Like, no, really, you're Judith in this situation. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I smiled at Judith, tried giving her her medications, and walked out as fast as I could after she spit them in my face. I firmly believe dementia and Alzheimer's patients see more than we do. 
kind of like reverting back to that innocence of a child. So this was a big old nope for me. Thanks for reading my story. I know it's long, but it's harder typing them out than I thought it would be. After that event happened, more and more weird things happened with Judith. I also worked a night shift in a nursing home for years, which means other patients and hauntings too. So if you want me to send those in, I definitely will. I love you ladies so much. Creep it real. Uh, of fucking course we want you to send those in. Yeah, like pronto right now. Well, I mean, this was really good. Why was there ever any question? I mean, of course we fucking <laughs> want to send them in. One, Carrie's scared that we're going to run out. I was about to say, we could run out any day now. <laughs> send them in. <laughs> and two, I fucking love medical dramas. Medical dramas? Is this Grey's Anatomy? No, fuck no. I've been over that shit since before the plane crash. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and all you fans don't come for me because you know that shit was stupid. Agreed. That's the thing with Alzheimer's, though, is at that time of the day, they're sundowning. Like, when you have dementia, especially, like, with Alzheimer's, I don't know if it's with all dementia, but I know specifically with Alzheimer's, you get what's called sundowning, that literally as the sun goes down, you your memory and all gets progressively worse. Your cognition gets worse. You're, you know, you're not as focused. You Your memory gets more lapsed. You, you know, everything. Just your, your faculties kind of start going more downhill because you're more fatigued, that kind of thing. So... During the night shift stands to reason you're seeing them when they're at their worst of the worst. And with dementia, people get hallucinations. So it's like, is she hallucinating or is she actually seeing something? And do we think that they're hallucinating when they're actually really seeing something? And for that matter, are all hallucinations actually people really seeing something? I mean, because you can go down a whole conspiracy theory thing, you know? I mean, it could just keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on going, you know? I agree with the writer that they're more childlike in that innocence. And so I do believe they see more. Also, when you were saying all of that and you said faculties, I know what you were talking about, but all I could think about was the movie, The Faculty. Did you watch that? I Mm -mm. love that movie. All right. The next one is called Very Sinister, But No Sighting. Hello, my beautiful Mississippi girls. Okay, let's jump right in while my brain is working on words. Picture it, early 2014. I'm living in an adorable one-bedroom shotgun house. House went living room, kitchen, bedroom, slash bathroom on one of our main roads in my town. My hubby wasn't there at the time, so it was just me and the two little guys, a one-year-old and a six-month-old. Just to set the scene, our front door was one of those doors with like nine little windows and a mail slot. I had a huge curtain that covered almost the whole door. One night, I walk into my living room to make sure the door is locked and the lights are turned off to realize someone put a stick in my mail slot to move my curtain. I fixed the curtain and didn't think much of it. Well, three days later, I wake up with the babies and go into the living room and see my diaper bag bumped out on the couch and notice the door unlocked. As I go to the door, I realize one of the little windows is broken out. Then I realize that our PlayStation and Xbox are gone. They tried to take the TV, but I guess it was too heavy. Well, as well as all my cash in my wallet, they were nice enough to leave my wallet and all my cards. I panicked and looked up the number for the police station instead of calling 911. 
I also realized that they took my husband's Batman DVD, which was in the kitchen, the next room over from where my babies and I are asleep. For the next, like, forever, all I could think is, thank goodness, I didn't go into the kitchen and make a bottle while they were in my house. This incident still gives me anxiety, but thank goodness there was no sightings here. BTW, they never found the people. Love y'all, and like I told Donna, I have much more that I need to make into words. Emily. Holy shit, that's terrifying. That is like someone invading your personal space gives me the heebie-jeebie. Like that, that is so scary. Yeah, yeah. And to like the stick through the mail slot to Mm -hmm. move the curtain and stuff, you could write that off as like, oh, that was kids just, you know, being kids. or I know not hers. They were too young, but neighborhood kids or, you know, whatever. But, well, even gosh. Even if you didn't write off as neighborhood kids, like, what do you do? You like, I guess you call the police and file a police report. But like. I don't know. We all, if you're anything like me and Carrie, We'd be like, oh, we don't want to be a pain. Right. You don't want to be bothered. I mean, this is what they're there for. And it's like you want to create a paper trail. But I totally understand. Yeah. It's not small, but it's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. Yeah. But I'm the same way. I'd be like, that's so tiny. Like, the police are going to fucking hate me because I'm, you know, like, hey, someone put a stick through my mail slot. Yes. You know, they're going to be like, what the fuck? And not really. You know, like, but I don't know. I'm the same way. A lot of people are like us and we try to make ourselves small and like not seen, not, you know, like, Mm -hmm. hey, sorry for calling you in this emergency, but um, I'm really scared for my life. But uh, if you wouldn't mind sending someone out, you know, and it's like, oh. If you could please find the time today. I mean, it's some point today. It doesn't have to be right now. I mean, like, there's a stick in my mailbox right now. But, like, if you could just, like, some at some point today. Again, it doesn't really matter when. Just <laughs> at some point. Yeah. And, like you said, what if you would have gotten a bottle? Like, having a one-year-old and a freaking six-month-old? I mean, how many fucking times do they need to get up in the middle of the night all the time? Oh, my gosh. That, oh. And like Carrie said, invading your personal space like that, but just knowing they were one room over from you, oh my gosh. But, oh, here's another thing to talk about. Them leaving your wallet with your cards, that actually, like, hey, props to y'all, whoever you are. Thank you for that because that is a pain in the ass, I'm sure. Like, you know, to get all the cards Cancel all the credit canceled, cards, blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like, thank you. Thank you so much for, like, not making me do all that extra work. And going back to the DMV. Yeah, nobody has time for that shit. Okay, this next writer wants to remain anonymous as well. I sent in Hubby's stories a bit ago with the dog he beat out the door. We're moving forward now to church. Hubby has been RC in the same church from birth, and I converted 10 years into marriage. We still attend this church, and for a while, I was a housekeeper and part-time janitor there. Hubby's family is contractor people. His father and brothers, as well as uncle, were remodeling the old school building a number of decades ago to bring it up to date. Hubby was early teens at the time. It had been the convent on the third floor, classrooms on the second floor, and cafeteria on the first floor, and partial basement. 
It became classrooms for CCD. So think Sunday school to prepare a child for receiving sacraments and gathering place for the parents and various groups. It involved tearing up the floor between the floors. Tools disappeared, but reappeared in odd places and days later. One day, just before the new floorboards were put in, Hubby and Brother saw a face looking back up at them between the pipes. It was not a person on the floor below because that ceiling was closed. They even called the adults to see. Everyone noped out for lunch for the rest of the day. The next day, the floor was the first thing to go in. The church is right next door, and numerous times I would look up while cleaning or even helping with the decorating and catch sight of sister going up the side aisle. I'd say hello and sometimes try to ask a question. Turned out to not be sister because if I needed her to answer, I'd go after her, but no one was ever there. I'd also be responsible for cleaning the rectory attached to the church, and there was always a feeling of something off at night there. During the day was usually okay, but not the third floor. It never really felt comfortable, and I tried my darndest to get done before dark in the winter. Our church also has its own cemetery, and once in a while going down the road in front of the cemetery, you can see a nun floating across the street. Usually, I slow down and say, safe travel, sister, and go on about my day. Next time, I'll tell you about our ghost pets in our first home. Creep it real. See, I don't like haunted churches. They freak me out. And it's something about a nun costume, the the habit. Mm. Yeah, it's just something about that that like is creepy to me as well. I don't know. Too much clothes. I'd be sweaty. What is it about, like, a Catholic church that's so creepy? It's any empty church for me. Yeah, maybe. Well, let us know about your ghost pets, though. And that's wild that you've actually seen apparitions. Yeah, I don't want to see those. I want to, but I don't. Yeah, no. I don't know. Nope, I don't. <laughs> also, how frustrating. You're like, hey, uh, can you hand me that blah, 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 blah? And you're like, uh, hello, can you hand me that? Uh, oh, it's fucking a ghost. Never mind. What's fucking a ghost? Jesus, you wish. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oddly enough, the next one is called Angel Sighting and a couple of mildly weird things. Hey, my sisters from other misters. I started listening to the podcast partway into quarantine because I'm in a podcast recommendations group on Facebook and asked for something similar to the mailbag episodes of Spirits. I immediately fell in chosen family love with y'all, as I am a chunky Tennessee kid born in 84, but I can't think of a gender-neutral word to use right now, with a mama from Mississippi. I'm mostly estranged from my family now for my own emotional well-being, so y'all's familiar-sounding voices and storytelling styles make me feel at home. Anyway, on to my stories. My oldest sister had only one child at the time this takes place, and he was around three or four at the time. He was supposed to be taking a nap, and like little kids are, don't want to. It was a common occurrence for him to get up and come up with excuses not to be trying to rest. So when he got up this time, that's what my sister expected. But he said, no, mama, I know. I just needed to tell you. I saw two angels in the corner of my room. They were shiny, and they were smiling, and they were holding their babies. 
My sister told us the story when she was visiting, maybe a month or so later, and we all thought it was interesting, but didn't know what it could mean. My family's very religious, so they believed he was telling the truth. I don't remember how much time passed between the visitation and the next thing that happened, but I think within the year, my sister found out that she was pregnant. Not long after that, my brother's wife found out that she was pregnant too. The following year, they each had a baby girl, one in April and the other in July. I always believed that it was his baby sister and his cousin he saw in the arms of what might have been angels, or otherwise some entities of good. My next story is short and takes place when I was in middle school. I only learned I have memory blackouts due to physiological trauma, anxiety, etc. a few years ago. So that's the only thing that sort of makes sense with what happened. I had developed a little friend group with two girls named Amber and Jenny. Not changing the names because, like me, they had some of the most common girl names in the 90s. Anyway, we were the teeny bopper buddies and did the typical teenage girl stuff, passing notes, talking about boys, etc. They came to my birthday party, and since I was born in October, I always had costume parties. So we were three of the Spice Girls together. Anyway, I think it was when we came back from a break, either spring break or summer, but to my knowledge, I hadn't talked to them much over that period of time. I said hi to them and tried to talk to them, and they smugly said, we're not friends with you anymore. I asked why, and they said, you know what you did. Y'all, I am almost 36 years old, and I still have no idea what I did. Never spoke to them again. Okay, last one, my space times. I was freshly separated from my husband. I got married way too young, and he ended up being violent and possessive and had been using my space since before I left him. I was living at my parents, no job, no car, and trying to have at least an online social life since I had a one-year-old who, for some reason, my mom aggressively refused to watch for me in order to help me look for a job. Not that I'm bitter. Anyway, do y'all remember that MySpace had that little recommendation bar with people who were new to the website and were looking for friends? I friended three local people through that, thinking I was being nice. They all seemed okay for the most part. The guy and the younger girl each only had one picture. His was of himself, I assumed, and hers was of her foot with emoticons drawn on the toes. The third was an older, she was probably my current age, but you know, she wasn't 23, that's what I mean, woman who worked with some kind of dog fostering setup. I introduced them to each other, things were cool for a little while, then the guy asked me if I'd want to take a ride on his motorcycle. I said, no thanks, I'm not comfortable with that. Remember when meeting strangers from the internet, that big scary thing? And I may have said something about not being ready to date anyone. I promise he made it sound like a date when he asked. But y'all know how asshole dudes are. Suddenly, I was a bitch. Why would I assume he meant a date? I sure was stupid, according to the way he reacted. Anyway, maybe a couple of weeks later, I was offline overnight, maybe a little longer, because I was using my parents' computer, and my mom would often yell at me for being on it even at all, let alone more than once a day for an hour or something. The next time I got online, 
They had all ganged up on me for not showing up to something I hadn't even seen being invited to. And apparently the older woman both messaging me that the guy was so disappointed I hadn't been there and her commenting to the girl that she was tickled to see how cozy she and that guy had gotten. It was all really confusing. Within a few days after that, I got online and found my whole wall, profile, whatever we used to call it, layout, had been redone with images of bruised buttholes. My username had been changed to violent rape in alternating letters and numbers. All of my captions under my pictures had been changed to say filthy things. And those three people had turned on me. And by the way they talked, they assumed I had really done that myself. I unfriended all of them and fixed my wall back to normal, but I creeped on their visible conversation. And one of them said, the heifer has left the building, referring to me. My name is Heather. And heifer had been used both as an insult and a loving ribbing nickname many times in my life. So they weren't being very original. I have always assumed it was my ex who did it since I probably had my password written down on something I'd left in our apartment, especially since right before I left him, I opened our little flip phone and he had recently got online and searched violent sex. And I know I hadn't known those people long, but really from the drastic difference between what had shown myself to be and what was done to my MySpace wall, it should have been pretty obvious to strangers I'd been hacked. I've always wondered if the three of them had been fake accounts created by my ex and a couple of friends to try to catch me alone or fuck with me. I have no way to know, but I've always wondered what the fuck happened for sure. I have a really good true crime and paranormal story about the witch my mom was best friends with when she was divorced from her first husband and hadn't yet met my dad. But I need to get my sister and my mom to sit still and tell me the whole story and the facts before I can type it up. Love y'all, and thanks for being the bright light with dirty jokes in a really, really dark time. Heather, non-binary, but any pronouns are fine. I 100% believe it was your ex. All of those accounts, one person, him, classic catfish. When it's a group and one's commenting like, oh my God, I wanted you to be here for blah, 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 blah. And then the other one, you know, it's like, commenting like oh my god I'm so glad you were there you know yeah you did this and like trying to get them like upset like oh my god I let this person down and then oh my god now they're gonna be together and I'm gonna be left out you know like all of those different emotions and shit and it's like god yeah it's a complete manipulation tactic even if it is multiple people and not just the ex being all those people it's definitely some shady shit Mm mm-hmm Also, I'm so glad that you found us, and I really felt honored that you said chosen family, like chosen podcast family. That's really sweet. And we are waiting on that story. So family meeting and go. (laughs) All right. Good morning, beautiful creepsters. My daughters, 15-year-old Caitlin and 17-year-old Autumn, and I love listening to your podcast. I got them both hooked and we enjoy listening while we clean or run errands or drive to and from school. The hubby even gets sucked into an episode sometimes. Autumn loves the sinister sightings and Kate and I love all of it. 
Kate had to come home in quarantine because of a COVID exposure, so since I actually have time to sit on my ass, a very rare occurrence, I thought I'd send in a sinister sighting that coincidentally involves Caitlin. Warning, it's a long one. Well, sidebar, while I'm thinking about this, since this is going to be a long one, I think it's so cool these parents that listen to the podcast and, like, listen with their kids and all of that, because that is just Mm -hmm. not something that my parents would have done, you know? And that's just so cool to me. Yeah. I know. I love it, because it does remind me, like, it would be me and my mom. Yeah. And that is not something that my parents would have done. Like, I mean, my dad is, you can't even say fuck you know (laughs) yeah all right we move into the house when caitlin was a year old it was nothing special just a three bed one bath little brick house but it had a large fenced in yard and a long driveway the kids could play on and we loved it instantly it was one of those houses where you walk in and feel instantly at home we lived there for a little over a year and it was amazing quiet peaceful, the picture of suburban tranquility. There was, however, a lot next to our house. It was fenced in as well, but overgrown and neglected. My neighbors said they had never known anyone to live there. It gave me the creeps. It always felt like someone was watching me from that lot, but I brushed it off as me being weird until one day my mother commented, saying, That lot gives me the creeps. It feels like someone's watching you. Fast forward and Kate's too. Someone decided that they were going to clear out that lot. Around the same time, we had my sister and brother-in-law come stay with us. About two weeks into their stay, my sister-in-law runs in saying, Oh my God, your house is haunted. I just saw someone walk across the sliding door blinds. I figured that she had just saw the shadow of our boxer who was outside at the time. Oh my God, Kim, it's just Cassius, I laughed. She was adamant that it was not Cassius she had seen. So we teased her for days about Cassius and his super scary shadow. About a week later, I sent my girls and nephew into my eldest daughter's room for quiet time. I started cleaning the kitchen and was unloading my dishwasher. As I turned, I thought I saw this little girl about the height of my oldest, She was twirling, and I stopped short because I almost ran into her. Cheyenne, I shouted. Then I realized no one was there. My sister-in-law came in looking confused. What's wrong? I just checked on them, and I thought they were all asleep. Sure enough, I checked, and all the girls were napping. I thought I saw one of the girls, I said. A smirk came across Kim's face. A ghost, I told you, she said. And they moved out a few days later. I put it out of mind and carried on with life. I was busy getting kids ready for school and getting my home back in order. Then Caitlin made a friend. It started out simply. She would say, Mom, Elizabeth and I are playing in my room, okay? I thought I was cute. She was the first of my children to have an imaginary friend. She always had a playmate around, and now both of her older sisters were gone all day with school. So it made perfect sense that she would make up a friend, right? Mm-hmm. I'd, <laughs> I'd ask her what Elizabeth looked like, like big me, she'd say. We went along with that for a while. Then one day, things got a little creepier. Mama, Kate said, Elizabeth wants to know if you want to see her. 
Um, no, little sixth sense child. I do not want to see your imaginary friend. That's what I was thinking. What I said was, um, no, thank you. Kate went along playing like nothing ever happened. Days later, she was asleep on the couch next to me, and I hear a little child giggle. I was like, oh, she's laughing in her sleep. Until I started watching her and realized she was definitely not giggling. Yeah, getting a little more weirded out now. I think I'll stop right here because it's so long, but I'm definitely going to keep sending in parts because this shit would take a whole damn episode. Keep it real and don't get scared. Chris from Louisiana. Wait, Chris, what the fuck was she doing? Oh my gosh. Wait, she wasn't laughing. What the fuck was she doing, Chris? What? This is like, you know what? This is a really good cliffhanger. Chris and I don't like it because I need to binge. I need to binge. Like, next episode. What the fuck? This isn't Hulu. We want to binge. Yes. Netflix, I'm still here. Next episode. I'm so glad that doesn't do that anymore. Holy shit. This is so good. I don't even know. Like, now I feel like it is a movie. And now I... (sighs) I went to go get popcorn. Like, I just popped it. I was like, oh, God, this is getting real good. And then it's like... Right? Next episode, this happens. I'm like, ah, fuck. Seriously, though, send in an update. Yeah, I need to know what she was doing when she wasn't actually laughing. So uh, we need to get that story now, like, unless reading it. I don't know when you send it in, but uh, hopefully it's in the next episode or two. The next one is Call Me Red. Hey, hey, ladies, it's me, Red. I kindly ask that you call me Red, as I do not want any of my family or friends in my family to hear details. It will cause too many issues. I love your podcast, especially you ladies. You keep me company on the road as I drive long hours for work, and you have gotten me through a lot of shit. I recently found y'all, and I've been binge listening. I'm almost caught up, and I wanted to send this in. I have lots of stories. Some are harder to tell than others, but in time, I will. As for this, I will start with a more serious one, then finish up with one that is totally funny. I peed a little over it. Oh, God, well, then you know I am going to pee because I actually have to pee right now. So that's going to be great. This is going to be a long one. So strap on and get ready. Oops. I mean, strap in and hang on. Okay, that is not any better. But a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. For a bit of background on me, I'm a pagan who grew up in a Southern Baptist home. You know the kind. Church on Wednesday, twice on Sunday, and anytime the doors were open. I had a good childhood. Both parents worked very hard to provide what little we had, but they always found a way. I didn't always have the best relationship with them, but after growing up and living through some uh, dumb decisions, I have come to realize they did the best they could and have worked hard to repair that relationship. I adore my parents and am very thankful for them. Though, yes, I have daddy issues, but that is another story. Anywho, enough background, I wanted to explain how I grew up because the story I'm about to tell you took place in my childhood home. One my parents moved in when I was exactly a week old and still live in 35 years later. BTW, Kara, you are exactly one month older than me to the date. Sorry, Donna, I still adore you and your sweet smile. Well, Red, not only do we share very similar birthdays, but my parents moved into their house when I was exactly like a year old, and they still live in it 35 years later. Also, Red, thank you for the compliment and not leaving me out because, you know. Leo. Mm-hmm. But two, are you a changeling like Carrie? 
Probably not. Okay. I know kids have an innate fear of the dark, but mine was, well, next level. I didn't share a room with my two older sisters, but often would climb into bed with them. In the upper corner of my room, outside the reach of my dim nightlight, breathed my nightmare. He never had a true shape, but was more of a liquid black that floated softly in the air while clinging to the wall at the same time. Okay, insert me, but I'm picturing like a black Alex Mack. Like, you know how she would turn to gold? Like, I'm picturing Alex Mack, but instead of being gold or silver or whatever she was, but black. Yeah, she was silver, like metallic. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was gold or silver. Okay, and going back to the story. Inside this floating mass was two gleaming diamond-cut rubies for eyes. He haunted my dreams and lived in the darkness of my wall. My parents said that it was the teddy bears I had or dolls, but they were not that high. I was also sick a lot. So again, my parents would say I was feverish or hallucinating. They refused to acknowledge anything paranormal because it was all demons and angels. Each night, this black liquid mass would ink itself across my wall to my bed. And those eyes, oh man, those eyes, they would glitter a demonic blood red. Its long fingers would reach out and lightly etch its way down my arm over my toes, and back up the other arm. It was like it was trying to cut me out of my blanket, but all I felt was cold. He would hiss softly and float up the ceiling and wait. Wait until I fell asleep and then walk through my dreams. I suffered night terrors as a child and still do from time to time. I never knew who he was until I listened to your show. I don't feel that calling him by a demon's name is right or correct, as I learned much later in my life that I actually learned from him. I learned that, yes, fear is real and the most powerful thing out there, but it is a weapon that can be welded to mold just about anything, good or bad. Through my few years learning and honing my craft, I've come to see that each person follows their own path and many blessings on them. I have, though, learned some things that have been confirmed in books or other people years after I was taught by teachers in other realms. I won't go into more details with my beliefs, as I'm sure I can piss off a bunch of people. The ink in my bedroom is my earliest encounter with the darkness that breathes. I have others, but I will save those. Now, on to my funny hauntings. Okay, I'm driving down the road listening to y'all's last year Halloween episode, and I thought I heard something on the episode, just something under the radar, missed unless the volume was turned up. I rewound and listened, but the noise was not that. It was this high-pitched whooshing whistle. I started freaking out because I just left the hospital where I picked up, well, we won't go into that. And I thought something hitched a ride with me. I don't know what is whistling in my car. Next thought flying through my brain is, oh shit, my car. I start hitting buttons on the door, trying anything to stop this horrible, unearthly noise. All of a sudden, it stops. Silence fills the car in sweet relief. It was my passenger 
window that somehow had gotten nudged down a teensy bit. I laughed and laughed and yes, peed myself a little. Totally freaked myself out listening to your show over my car window. That's my stories for now. I will send them more later. Keep up the amazing job and thank you for all you do. Love you ladies. Red. I love that that's what scares you. Yeah, not the freaking <laughs> Alex Mack blob coming down from your window with the with the fingers and the eyes. The eyes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad you left us with a laugh because that last one, Stephen King wouldn't be able to sleep. That's the Sinister Sightings version of watching a Disney movie after you watch something scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, um... I don't know what this says about me, but as you were describing those uh, fingers kind of etching its way around your body and all, I was like, oh, that would feel so good. Something like lightly walking across you like that. If it, you know, wasn't demon fingers, that would feel so good. Just ever so lightly (laughs) tickling your arm and your legs. I mean, not demon fingers, but like Colby or Donna can do it to me. How did I get lumped into this? Well, because you did it to me before Colby (laughs) and, and still do. Colby's not really like that. I'm like, Donna, can you play with my hair? Donna, can you tickle my arm? Donna, can you da 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 I wonder if the blackness blob, I don't know, if that was causing you to be sick. I thought that too, actually. I, I definitely, you read my brain. Did I tickle your brain? If I could, you would want me to. Yes, 100. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I need more stories from you, but always end on a lighter note, Yeah, please. always give us the Finding Nemo version at the end, please, because, whew, that's intense. Yeah. Okay, the last one is greetings. Please indulge. Oh, sorry, that's my personal email. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's your fucking life motto. <laughs> That's your Tinder profile. <laughs> that I could go on for days. <laughs> That's your grocery list. That's your, <laughs> like, literally anything. <laughs> that life profile. <laughs> you're not wrong. Well, I wouldn't say greetings. That's way too fancy for me. Well, you're trying to be, like, a little bit alienish. <laughs> <laughs> greetings from the outside. Ooh. <laughs> So that you want them to know that you have layers. Because if I said greetings, it really would be like greetings, earthlings looking to be probed. (laughs) See? (laughs) Hi, Carrie and Donna. My name is Ashlyn F. I currently reside in Kansas City, Kansas, but I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi and lived my toddlerhood in Petal. I then spent my 19 following years in Brookhaven, Mississippi, before moving here to Kansas City only a year ago. Aside from the fun little similarities we have, you may know my aunt, Teresa Brundage, a.k.a. Creep Mom. Oh, we know who you are, Creep Niece. Yes, we do. And this is so funny. Like, she wrote this before we knew her. I know. And now we've, like, met her. Yeah, we literally ate with her. I shared funnel cake fries with her. Didn't know where that F word was going, but yes, you did. I mean, a.k.a. I ate the bulk of them and was like, do you want some with like powdered sugar dripping from my face? I am emailing you both because I just took a 17-day road trip from KC to Pennsylvania to see Teresa, then down to Mississippi and Tennessee. It's safe to say I have been binging your podcasts. 
Teresa introduced me to it while I was in Pennsylvania, and I'm currently on episode 12. I want you guys to know what you're doing is working. I decided to write this at 3.20 a.m. to tell you so. I never thought I would be so creeped out by something called black-eyed kids. (laughs) Mostly because kids don't creep me out, they just annoy me, but holy Toledo, I really am. Here's how you guys have affected me. I literally just got back from my previously stated road trip today and had gone to bed around 1 a.m., but began to have a nightmare about clowns of all things. The only way I was able to wake up was my dream being interrupted by a phone call at 2.30 a.m. from an unknown number. Way to add to my fear-induced trauma, right? So I decided to calm down. I would just head to the gas station a couple of blocks away to grab a bite to eat and some water. And for no reason, my brain told me, the black-eyed kids are outside waiting to break in and bang on your bedroom door. (laughs) So I'm shaking by then. I managed to make it outside to my car and lock the front door as well before keeping an eye out for those darn kids. And lo and behold, as I'm walking up to my car, a large black mass bolts toward me. I'm so terrified by now that I'm shaking and about to puke. I hardly ever throw up in life. I fly into my car and peer out of my window, just praying a child isn't there. Thankfully, no. But a large black dog had ran from my backyard that I had never seen before. He looked very cute, but I was not about to sit there and see if his eyes turned into some demon dog eyes. (laughs) I'm currently in the gas station parking lot writing this email now because I knew it was finally time to contact you. I had been wanting to since I started listening to your podcast, but I wasn't ever sure what to say. I figured I would show you an example of how great you guys are at your podcast. I know I'm not supposed to get scared, but yeah, I am. And I love it. Thank you for showing me some deep South girls are allowed to be weird. Thank you so much for a great podcast. You are the first podcast I have ever listened to because I've never been into them. And if you've gotten this far, thanks for reading. I do look forward to your response. Stay spooky and creep it real. Ashlyn F. Yeah, that uh, Black Eyed Kids, there's not many of her stories that I've been like, um, wait, what? I know, that one creeps me out. Like, seriously, every day, every night. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, like, skip forward a little bit because I'm going to talk about it. But at the end, when you said, oh, and by the by, um, you won't see them if you've never heard of them. I was like, what the fuck? Like, she was legit like, why the fuck did you say something? You mean I was blissfully ignorant this whole (laughs) fucking time? Well, if I have to suffer, everyone has to suffer. No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. It is. It is. Yeah, that one and... uh, The shadow people. Those are probably, like, the scariest for me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just can't even imagine, like, Ashlyn wrote in before she was even creep niece. And now she's done an intro. She's in the Creepinati. We've met her. Like, I freaking play games with her all the time on Discord. Like, it's so wild. Well, think about, too, like... Even Randy, when he did, like, the WWE entrance, or the whatever, the wrestling entrance thing, like, that was before he yeah. really knew us, too, you know? And now it's, like, he's the one that fucking handles a Discord for us. Because yes. we don't fucking know. We're like, dee, 
doop, boop, boop. Do, do we like the the TT nine text? Like how we how you how you do this <laughs> right? shit? I know, I know. I'm like, okay, this is how. Actually, never mind. Beep, 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 beep. That's me backspacing it and at Randy. <laughs> Here, you please deal with this. Thank you. That's amazing. I love getting these emails right before, and we just read Randy's email like a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, like yeah, he had wrote in before he knew us too, and so it's just this is like um. What do you call it? Uh, like looking back on, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like when I look back on the uh, first few conversations that Colby and I had, you know, it's yes. like so funny looking back and going like, oh my God, I'm yes. such a crazy, like I can't believe I said that, you know? <laughs> Origin story. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. Yes. Well, and so many of y'all, and I love hearing these stories and then y'all, if you're comfortable, like y'all talk about the stories from sinister sightings in the Facebook group. And then, you know, like so many people still talk about titties flapping in the wind. Yes. And it's amazing. And like people listen to that when they need an, you know, like a perk in the day. (laughs) See what she did there. (laughs) But you know what I mean? And so I don't know, like I just love having the writer, but then like everyone commenting on it and just how they, relate to it or you know like everything i don't know i just love it and then like we get to know them and we see like we already know their personality a little bit because i could totally hear ashlyn reading that yeah and it wasn't how i read it (laughs) thank y'all for letting us be a part of your lives through the stories that you're sharing with us that we get to share on these episodes through the Facebook group. And then if you're part of the Creepinati and we get to be part of your lives through the chats on Discord and all of just those extra little ways we get to know you a little more personally, like that's so cool. So thank y'all so much for letting us be a part of your lives in such special ways because y'all talk about how much y'all love us when you send us these letters, but it goes both ways and we truly do mean that. Yes, we do. We so, really do. So thank you so much for, I don't know, being a friend. Oh, God, don't make me cry. You've already scared me behind the scenes, and my eyes teared up. Yeah, you got chill bumps in your eyes teared up. Yeah, like, it was a legit scare. And it wasn't like, boo, I'm going to scare you. No, no, no. Well, I just thought I saw something. Mm -hmm. Well, we really do mean it. Thank y'all so much for supporting us. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.